0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield we are in a shortened holiday week just a reminder good friday means no markets as the folks in chicago and hopefully our commodity brokers as well will be taking the day off as we head into the easter holiday weekend having said that with a shortened holiday week it made for an interesting trade as we saw some definite lower numbers once again in the corn and the bean complex today and even the wheat market especially uh, we look at the, what happened in minneapolis they saw the lower numbers and in chicago as well kansas city was the only one to hold out onto the positive but it's the livestock side that is catching everybody's attention from the live cattle and the feeder cattle and believe it or not we've got two nearby contracts in the hogs that saw green as well lots to look at in today's report as mike zuzalo joins us with global commodity analytics and shortened holiday week puts a whole different kind of flair shall we say on what we see in the market trade
1: yeah, it really does, Susan, and thanks for having me back. And you know, what else puts a really different flair and flavor into the market trade is the historic nature of what's happening out in the world and the geopolitics and the Taiwanese visit and the Chinese threats along the Taiwan Strait this week and near record high prices in gold because of Federal Reserve policy and because the U.S. dollar is no longer as good of a safe haven in the market's mindset as it has once been. And all these things are weaving in and out of the prices for the commodities. And so it's very hard to get a picture, a clear picture of a trend. And I think that's where we sit with the trade in general, as we go home for Easter holiday, um, we know that OPEC is cutting production. We su- suspect pretty strongly that's going to really underpin our energy prices. And I think this is where what you and I talked a lot about recently in the past few months has been the the extreme differences that we I think we will continue to see between the cash prices of commodities. Versus the futures market because of the way the funds trade the futures and, and also what we're looking at in terms of what's driving this market and we continue to see and today's weekly export sales really showed it very, very nicely. The, the earlier week export announcements at eight o'clock in the morning turning the market higher after a really weak Globex trade showed it also very clearly that the rally potential really comes from the weather and really comes from the supply side. And until we get the good demand numbers back, it's gonna be really, really difficult to change this trend. And the funds, I think, are gonna continue to feel like selling into rallies because of that.
0: So as you look at, I wanna talked earlier this week with one of my uh, coworkers, Clay, talking about the precious metals and how that was factoring in. What are you seeing and how could that have an effect and weigh in on these ag trade numbers?
1: Yeah, that's a really timely question because we've gotten some fresh information out from the, from the uh, international monetary fund. They're getting ready to drop their next global economic outlook, but their president came out today and said we're looking at less than 3% growth in the world in 2023. And in the next five years, our outlook is the weakest since 1990, and we all remember that. That was kind of the decade, the lost decade of growth, if you will, uh, when it came to the, the strength of the global economy, and that really made it tough on the corn and bean and wheat markets unless you had weather issues like the big flood of 1993 and and, or we did build up a demand market in 1994 through 1996 and I think that's something to be looking forward to maybe six months eight months out unless we have some planning delays but I think generally speaking Susan the trade has realized that there are these new trading blocks that are as i would define them with the new east which are the old BRICS countries russia china uh possibly india but certainly south uh, south america meaning brazil and also south africa and now saudi arabia these countries are gaining traction both geopolitically they see things the same way and they're trading now more and more with one another and i think that's where The market here in our country, and I think the funds and the investment mindset, knows that we're probably going to lose some of the demand side. The exports for the United States are going to be weaker if we have this new type of mindset develop. And and USDA just put out a really phenomenal update, a special report. And they put this at the very front of their report saying that you know back in 2000, U.S. wheat exports made up 40% of the world total now it's twenty percent and for corn back in 2006, just, you know, less than 20 years ago, we made up 71% of all the global corn exports. Now it's at 30%. And I think that's what's really causing this continuation of selling rallies because of this demand negativity. So that's why I think the precious metals are looked upon now because of the Federal Reserve policy, these trade sanctions that are hurting us on the ag side, uh, metals are taking on a much more historic look to them where inflation is not going to go anywhere and interest rates are probably going to remain elevated.
0: So as you look at the markets in general, whether it's grain or livestock, are we sitting okay right now or is there just some things that are catching your attention as we hit this month of April?
1: Yeah, I've had a lot of questions the last couple 3 weeks about the funds versus the fundamentals. Why can't we trade the supply demand fundamentals as as opposed to the commodities in the ag sector, corn, beans, wheat, especially cattle, hogs as more of a of a commodity instead of an asset. And I did some digging and this is something I'll put in my newsletter this weekend, but soft red wheat down 15% year to date, hogs down 16% year to date. Both of those coming off massive net short positions. We just recorded the biggest net short position in soft red wheat since 2017. And this past week, hogs actually showed a a record net short uh, by my research that goes all the way back to 2006. So funds are participating in the supply-demand logic somewhat. But then you mix in the crude oil and, and, the, and the dollar into that, and some of these markets maybe are less explainable, like hard red wheat being down almost 3% year-to-date when we have pretty much dust bowl conditions in a pretty sizable swath, in a very hard freeze just last night, in a very sizable swath of the hard red wheat belt.
0: All right, when we come back, we've got a lot more to take a look at. We'll take a look at an interesting global picture as I want to get Mike's thoughts on what's going on with China and Taiwan's presence and some meetings that happened here in the States. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more as we continue on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network.
1: Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontanelle to
0: my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer
1: or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
0: Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. I continue to talk with Mike Zuzola with Global Commodity Analytics. And, you know, Mike, it used to be even, you know, a year ago, our markets didn't have as big geopolitical talk as we seem to have had in the last year. And now we've got going on, um, McCarthy meeting with Taiwan's president, China not happy about this meeting that took place in the States. Do you see that having an effect, especially when it comes to soybeans, um, in this market on the nearby?
1: Yeah, I don't know how it can't at this point, Susan, unless the Brazilian currency just really starts to rally and appreciate against the U.S. dollar and it turns the head of China to the point where they see that the basic fact is the ARC beans are just too cheap to turn down. I really do think that the way you set that up is really appropriate because if you think back of 2021, you think about the phase one trade agreement that the prior administration was very agriculture focused And it really did help us in volume and dollar terms with our ag exports at a time where we really needed it because we were working off of COVID and relatively high supplies and questionable demand. It's almost like the the tables have completely shifted around at this point, and and we're back on our heels in terms of the ag exports. And I know you follow the Washington side very, very closely, and, and there's a lot going on in Washington right now, bills and special committee meetings going on, talking specifically about getting trade agreements back up and running and and getting away from the sanctions and the protectionism because history would say that hurts ag one of the most and and one of the greatest and the longest lasting. That's quite frankly what I'm most nervous about. The short term I can deal with, but it's setting up the medium term. I don't want another lost decade of, of demand on U.S. ag exports. And so to get back to your question, the March soybean exports out of Brazil were up about 9% from March 2022. So China, I think, has definitely shifted. We saw that in the export sales this week as far as this morning's numbers. uh, Soybean export sales, only 155,000 tons. Um, So we are seeing that shift. I think Brazil's crop is there to the point where they have ample supplies ready for export. The only question or domino left to understand on the soybeans is where does Argentina stand How could they need to import soybeans or soy meal because they don't have enough, yet they're trying to encourage their producers to sell old crop soybeans by recreating this soy dollar? And is that going to make the soybean producers down in Argentina take the bait and sell soybeans from their prior crop year? So that's probably the only stumbling block that I could see from not allowing the trade to continue to go lower in soybeans Uh, The wide open weather here that we talked about at the end of the week really did take effect and start to change the mindset of of the corn bias. Uh, the, The market got a lot softer as we got closer to the end of the week because they're seeing seven to 10 days of open weather in the primary corn belt. But if we don't get that. We've got to be ready for some increased oil seed acreage base. So I'm really on the defensive when it comes to the soy complex.
0: Let's talk about the exciting things that are happening in this cattle market. As many have said, it's it's the cattle producers' time as they negotiate prices for animals, whether it's on the, the lightweight feeders or those ready to go to slaughter. It's some good times right now.
1: It really is. And a couple of things came together this week, and, and they were very, very timely because we we had the winter weather hit us we've essentially had a late storm winter storm hit us in the central and northern plains so that put us uh, put the packer i think back on his heels and on the defensive in a week where we were going into a shutdown essentially with the easter holiday next came the pork export sales this morning something we sorely need and and as i said the commitment of traders report shows coming off of a record net short position by the managed money funds in part because of our export demand, but we had over 53,000 tons sold. That was uh, 69% above the full-week average. China, a number one buyer, and I think that really opened up the upside for the uh, cattle market because the cattle traders, I think, were very nervous about how bad the hogs could get since they'd made fresh 2023 lows earlier this year. The last thing that came down the, the pike was the fact that we just got close to that 2014 high, in live cattle, and I think that excited the market. It looked like today's high of 171.42 in April fats is just going to be about 20 cents away from the 2014 high uh, made back in the late part of that year.
0: Well, I tell you what, Mike, it is nice to see the lean hogs have the April and May contract with some some green on them considering the struggles this market has been in.
1: That's a great point, and I think as we cl- get closer to April's expiration, Susan, on the 19th, we need to see those two numbers close the gap so that we can see that cash index In that cutout, maybe not have to go through what it just got done going through again in about 20 days.
0: Real fast as we wrap up, what are you looking forward to seeing when the trades reopen on Monday?
1: You know, the big thing I'm watching is is the wheat market, obviously, still. I talked to a great uh, producer, client in Sweden, and he gave me some great insights. Take a look at our free trial and try and, uh, try and take a look at that this weekend, if you get time, or next week. The other thing is, do we open up this Corn Belt weather? If not, I think the trade's going to have to unwind what it did here at the later part of the week.
0: All right, lots of great stuff that we talked about today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike?
1: Best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two M's, research.com. And uh, sign up for a free trial or give me a call, 866-471-2588. And a happy and blessed Easter to you, Susan, and all the listeners.
0: And to you as well, Mike. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.